the Lord. Good evening, everybody. All right. Now, in this nice, cozy environment, I need a little extra good evening now. <laughs> good evening, everybody. All right. Praise the Lord. Good to see you all tonight. And before we do anything else, I want you to go ahead and stand up with me. We're going to honor the Lord tonight. Give him glory and praise. We're just going to go ahead and disconnect from the day. That's what we're going to do right now. We are disconnecting from the day, disconnecting your mind from the to-do list, and we're going to go ahead and connect with him tonight. Hallelujah. And be ready to receive everything he's got. Father, we honor you and give you glory and praise. Father, for any problem that we have today, we just laugh about it. Ha, ha, ha. It's just another problem in the long list of problems that are solved by the master problem solver. Glory be to God. Father, we are people of faith. We put our faith in you. And Lord, we, as an act of our faith tonight, we disconnect from everything else that was going on today. We disconnect from the news. We disconnect from uh, uh, family situations. And Lord, right now, in this time together, this is focus time. Time that is focused on the word, focused on the spirit of God, focused on hearing from heaven and receiving a download from heaven of what we need for, uh, for the rest of our week, what we need as a body of believers. Lord, what we need in every aspect of the word. That, that, that's something that will show us the way to go. That's something that will uh, give us uh, wisdom that we need and direction that we need. So, Father, we receive that tonight. Lord, before anything gets started, we receive that tonight. We make up our mind to, to be open to you, to uh, be tuned into your spirit, and, and to be able to have ears to hear tonight so that everything that you want to say, we're hearing. Everything you want to communicate, we're getting it. We're receiving it. We thank you, Lord, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Lord, that our spiritual eyes will say, wow, look at that, as we see wonderful things in your word tonight. For this, we give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll find somebody close by say, it's good to see you, before you take your seat. Amen. Good to see everybody tonight. All right. I think I just discovered that hole in my bottom lip. You know what I'm saying? Anybody ever do that before? I won't look. <laughs> oh, praise God. Um, Pastor Mike was initially going to minister to you tonight, but uh, I, I think we switched places. So so on, on the night I was scheduled, you hear him. But on the night he was scheduled, you got me. And uh, uh, I want to minister to you tonight uh, along this line, praying in the last days, praying in the last days. We know we're in the last days. If you wonder when the last days started, I can tell you, the last days started in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost because Peter said that what happened there when the Holy Spirit fell and the, the 120 that were there in the upper room, 
were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then that party (laughs) just poured out of that room into the streets and 3,000 people got saved that day. And and people were uh, wondering about what was going on. Interesting that the very first church service after the Holy Spirit fell needed some explanation. Isn't that interesting? It's not too bad of a thing to have to explain a church service, for lack of a better term, a gathering of believers to somebody. Because, you know, uh, there should be something happening that's dynamic enough and different enough that, that they would need to know what it is. Like, why do people do this? <laughs> why are people lifting their hands? Why, why are people so happy? Why is that sister in the corner doing the shuffle? What's going on here? These are happy people. These are people that are uh, just so excited about somebody they can't see. I need some explanation of this. Here's people that don't know my language. I just heard them talk my language. What's up? (laughs) So that first church service, quote unquote, needed some explanation. And in Peter's explanation of what was going on, he said this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel that in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And he called what was happening there the fulfillment of that. And of course, that was just the beginning of that fulfillment. How many are you glad about this, that that was not the only time that the Holy Spirit was being poured out? I want you to know that right now in 2023, that prophecy is right there for the taking, that the Spirit is being poured out now in our generation, just as in previous generations. But he said that that was a last day's prophecy and it was a last day's fulfillment. And so if that 2,000 years ago almost was the last days, then uh, we, we just might be in what you call the last of the last days. And it's interesting, you look around and you see lots of signs of things going on that would lead you to say, whoa, things are like going on high speed. <laughs> things are on a, a, a level that they've not been before. I mean, things were, you know, would, would get worse and you would see things getting worse. Now now it's getting worse on, on a, uh, uh, let's see, what's the word? Exponentially. It, it, it's, it's moving so much faster. It, it, it's going so to such a, a lower level than ever before. You, you think there would be never a time in the in our nation's history that we would be ever having a conversation about this and guess what we're having conversations and people that think ways they say nobody would ever seriously think something like that and people that seriously think that way have positions of authority and influence so it's amazing how in the last days the 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 speed with which things are going is is happening uh you, you know the the downward spiral it, it's it's going faster and it's going further down than it's ever been before but at the same time 
Not everything's going down. Let me tell you, the church is going up. And I'm not just talking up to, you know, and, and the, the, the aspect of the rapture of the church and being with the Lord. Thank God for that, too. But, I mean, the, the church does not have to go ahead and huh, 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 barely make it across the finish line. No, as a matter of fact, I believe, and I want somebody to believe this with me, that this can be a great hour for the church, a great time. A time where the net that is going out to catch men and women all over the world. You know the net I'm talking about because we're fishers of men. And so that net, we want to bring in more in this time than in any other time in history. We want to see more people come to the Lord and get snatched from the fire right now in this time more than ever before. Hallelujah. And I got to tell you, we see a lot of things going on. (laughs) Have you noticed? Have you noticed what's happening with the nation of Israel? Well, let's go ahead and start there since we're talking about praying in the last days. Uh, uh, And and this is a prayer that, that, that the Lord instituted a long time ago. But now in this time, it's not time to stop and let, you know, let, let your foot off the gas. It's time to put your foot down on the gas, pedal to the metal, and pray for the nation of Israel. Now, what is it about the nation of Israel? What, what's, why is Israel different? There's so many nations of the world. Uh, Europe, Africa, Asia. You've got Australia and the uh, island nations around there. You, you've got uh, North America, South America. Uh, uh, you've got uh, uh, nations all over the world. But why the big deal out of that one little piece of real estate in the middle of the world? <laughs> hey. Um. First of all, I, I want to read this to you. And so uh, we'll go to Genesis 12 first. And this is words that God spoke to Abraham. Genesis 12. And we'll look at verse uh, 2 and 3. Verse 2. Well, we'll read verse 1 too since we're there. Now the Lord has said to Abram, get out of your country from your family And from your father's house to a land I will show you. Verse 2. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. Verse 3. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now we know this. How were all the families of the earth blessed? through Abraham because Jesus came through the seed of Abraham and through Jesus and the book of Galatians shows us this, not through seeds plural, but through seed singular, through Jesus. (laughs) All the families of the earth are blessed, thank God. However, you know, there's still a, a promise there for not just who, uh, not just the singular seed, Jesus, but the plural seed of Abraham. And the promise is this. God said, 
Anybody who blesses you will be blessed. Anybody curses you will be cursed. And I got to tell you, I take God seriously. I take God at his word. If he said it's that way, then I need to be on the right side of that and not be crossways with God. There's a whole lot of people in the world that are crossways with God. I don't want to be one of them. God said something a certain way about a certain person and about the descendants of that certain person. I need to be on the same page with him. Amen. And I got to tell you, the understanding of this is very, very real. Even in this house, the, the very roots and foundations of this house, our founding pastor for many years, he would start Wednesday night service with a prayer. And uh, a, a prayer that, that was really uh, uh, one that he prayed the same thing to start every Wednesday night service. Which is not a bad thing when you're praying the right thing, you know. I mean, you need wisdom every day. You can ask for wisdom every day. You're not, that's not what the Bible would call vain repetition. It's a repetition, but it's not vain. Hey, it's purposeful and useful. But, but one of the things that, that Pastor Sam Smith, the founding pastor of this church, would pray before every Wednesday night service would include this. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem and the success of the nation of Israel. And that is so, so important. And being on the right side of that is good for us as individuals. Because here's the thing. First of all, individually, you want to be on the right side of that. And here's the thing. As a nation, we want to pray that our leaders are on the right side of that. Because, you know, uh, uh, that, that's a very important thing. When you pray for your leaders uh, and, and when you decide, uh, make a, a voting decision, that is one big thing to consider uh, how someone's stance is on Israel. Now, that's not political. That's biblical. Praise the Lord. All right. Now, um, let's take a look at this prayer, uh, Psalm 122, and we want to read the whole psalm and check this out as we're talking about praying for Israel. And we're going to talk about some other things, but we're getting started here tonight because this is a real hot topic in the world right now. And always understand this about prayer is that prayer for us as children of God is not us going through some religious kind of thing and putting on a religious tone of voice. <laughs> prayer for us as children of God is us talking to our Father. And we must never, ever get away from that. Always understand the relational aspect of praying is that it's children that are talking to their daddy. Isn't that great? Never let that go. Always hold on to that. Refresh that often because that's so important. Uh, Psalm 122, we'll start with verse 1. It says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. 
Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord to the testimony of Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. For thrones are set there for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Hallelujah. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls and prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say, peace be within you. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Now, one interesting thing about the word peace is that uh, you can think about peace as being the absence of war. <laughs> you know, there's war time and there's peace time. But I got to tell you, there's a, there's a whole lot of war still to come that God had already predicted. So the idea of peace being just simply the absence of war, there's got to be something more to it. Because even when Jesus comes back after seven years of tribulation and sets himself down on the Mount of Olives, there's yet another war. Jesus wins. You've heard of the Battle of Armageddon? That's the last one. That's where it's all settled and it's all done. The good guys win. Hallelujah. Jesus wins. King of kings, Lord of lords, and he shall reign forever and ever. Hallelujah. Now, the word peace The Hebrew word shalom, very common word. If you've been around some uh, Jewish people, you you would even hear them greet each other that way. Shalom. Wonderful word. But one of the things that it encompasses is not just the aspect of peace in the way we think of peace, like ah, tranquility, quietness, stillness. Actually, the word peace is best summarized as wholeness or completeness. Wholeness or completeness. Somebody described it as nothing missing, nothing broken. But, but let, let's take a look at that word completeness. And it's interesting if you're praying for the completeness of Jerusalem, the wholeness of Jerusalem, Really what you're praying for is not the fact that there would be no war or no battle because there's a whole lot of battles that God's predicted that haven't even happened yet. However, one of the things that you're praying for is that Jerusalem would be complete or whole, which means it would not be divided. And how many people and how many politicians and how many governments and how many voices throughout recent history 
have tried to divide what God wants complete, what God wants whole, what God wants in one piece. Not two pieces or three pieces, but in one piece. Hey, so I just thought I'd drop that on you. That, that when we're praying for the peace of Jerusalem, we're really not praying for the absence of war, but we're really praying for the completeness of Jerusalem. That, that it would not be divided or uh, sectioned off here, there, and everywhere, but that, that, that we would have something that is complete. And the ultimate completion of that is the fact that there is and the scripture teaches this in the New Testament especially, very, very crystal clear, that there is a Jerusalem above, come on now, that is going to come from above down here to earth. And the ultimate manifestation of that prayer being answered is not just uh, no divisions here on earth, but it's when that which is heavenly comes down to that which is earthly and combines together, and then you got the ultimate manifestation of that thing that we prayed for. One unified Jerusalem, the heavenly and the earthly, here together. You know there's a heavenly one. John saw it in the book of Revelation. (laughs) Jesus talked about it. As a matter of fact, listen to what Jesus said about the the uh, New Jerusalem, Revelation 3.12. He said, He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the New Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. Hallelujah. So when you pray for the peace of Jerusalem, glory to God, you're not just praying for the absence of war, because really, that's not what we're praying for at all, because there is, there is war. But, but, what, uh, uh, but the ultimate manifestation of that is that there's not a division of what God intended to be one, that it's not sectored off, that it's not divided, that what God intended to be one is one. Hallelujah. Praise God. So that's just a little something. And I got to tell you, in these times, it is the responsibility of the church to make sure that praying for Israel is part of your prayer life, part of your routine. Because what's important to God has to be important to us. And God said of Israel that they are the apple of his eye. Amen. Hallelujah. Now let's talk about this. Another aspect of how we can pray in the last days. And th- these are things that the scripture kind of has a, uh, an end time emphasis over. Praying for the spread of the word and the outpouring of the spirit. Are you with me? Praying for the spread of the word and the outpouring of the spirit. Now, this is something you can do for Israel and for all nations. (laughs) You know, we we have our specific assignment to pray for Israel that the Lord gave us. 
but we also have this assignment to be able to pray regarding the spread of the word of God and the outpouring of the spirit in all of the nations of the world, Israel and everyone else included. James 5, take a look at this. And I got to tell you, my desire tonight is that this will fire up your prayer life and give some more clear direction. You know, sometimes people say, well, um, I went to the Lord and I said, all right, Lord, I need this and I need that. And uh, here, here's my list. And there's nothing wrong with bringing your request to God. I mean, it was his idea to do that to begin with, so it can't be wrong. But the thing is, is that there are things in Scripture that are very much the heart of God that he told us to go ahead and make it a matter of priority in our prayers. So that those are things we want to pay attention to. So we're praying for the spread of the word and the outpouring of the spirit for Israel and for all nations. James 5, start with verse 7. It says, therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So this tells us that the farmer, who is the Lord, is waiting patiently for the precious fruit of the earth. A harvest, not of peaches, Oh, I love peaches, praise the Lord. Not of watermelon or kiwi. Not a harvest of Brussels sprouts or cabbage. He's looking for a harvest of people. God is interested in people. Aren't you glad? Because you was one of those peeps. <laughs> you were one of them. So therefore, as we've received the, the love of God and the, the prioritization of God, that he would put us on such an important level that he would sacrifice so much to get us. We need to remember that we're not the only ones that he did that for. And always be people-minded. Always be outreach-minded. It is so easy that all right I've done my work for the day and now I'm locked up in my little world Woo! one more year of Pat and Vanna before he retires here we go seven o'clock my nightly routine come on now and you just get locked in to my little world there's my cat in the corner uh you know uh my kids my little world but but always remember the world is bigger than our little world and God wants to stir something up within us that always prioritizes what he prioritizes. That there's a big world with big needs and he's looking for a big harvest and he has a whole lot of patience until he gets that big harvest. Now, he's got patience for the precious fruit of the earth and he waits patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. 
Now, you don't see anything about prayer right here in James 5 specifically. But you're going to see something in this next verse. Talking about early and latter rain. Look at this. This is Zechariah 10 verse 1. How many of you have ever read Zechariah? Ask for the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. The Lord will make flashing clouds. He will give them showers of rain, grass in the field for everyone. So it takes rain to be poured out to cause the fruit to ripen up and be ready for harvest. Are you with me? So therefore, it is part of our responsibility having the heartbeat of God and prioritizing what he prioritizes is to pray for rain now in this time of the latter rain. He wants to do some amazing, amazing things. Hey, you know, that uh, outpouring on the day of Pentecost, you know what preceded that? They were all praying in one place. They were in one accord and they were praying together. It's amazing what prayer does. It's amazing what prayer can do to set up the atmosphere for God to be able to do things that he's been longing to do for a long time. Hallelujah. And I want us tonight to be able to realize this and to make his priorities ours and to, to pray for rain in the time of the latter rain. What you do by, by so doing, your prayer gets answered. Rain falls. The, the precious fruit of the earth soaks in the rain, grows, develops, gets ready for harvest. And then after the precious fruit of the earth is received, because that's what he's waiting for. You wonder, Jesus, why don't you come? What are you waiting for? He, he told you in James chapter 5, he's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. Wow, glory to God. So let's pray for rain in this time of the latter rain. Glory to God. Now, what, what other things does the scripture say about this? Well, look at, uh, this is good. This is Matthew 9, uh, verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, Jesus told us to pray a very specific way. Now, let, let me talk to you for a minute, and, and uh, this is going to help us. So let's say I don't have any sisters, you know, biologically. I've adopted all of mine. But let's say I had a sister, and her name was Sue, all right? So if I um, would say, Lord, please save Sue. Lord, Sue really needs to be saved. Please save Sue. I got to tell you, that prayer would really be a waste of time. And I'm going to tell you why. What else can he do to save her? The father's already sent Jesus. 
Jesus has already shed his blood. The, the new and everlasting covenant has already been settled. And the word's been put out, whosoever will, let them come. So what else can God do to save Sue? It's already paid for and provided. But what he did tell us to do was to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers. Now, if I say, Lord, my sister Sue needs salvation, and she she knows me real well, but you know how family is. You know, we'll do, oh, yeah, I'm going to listen to you, sure. <laughs> well, what, what do you do in that case? Well, you don't just give up. Well, you say, I may not be the laborer who gets to do the job, but Lord, of the harvest, send laborers, send somebody to sue that she will listen to, even if it's not me, send somebody, send a laborer. And he will send a laborer to sue so that she would hear the gospel and, and act like she's hearing it for the first time, even though she heard it 100,000 times from me. And come into the kingdom of God. But it's the idea of not saying, Lord, please save somebody. Oh, save him, Lord Jesus, save him, save him, save him. But to do it the way he said to do it. Always remember, if God's specific about something, then we be specific about it. And here, Jesus is specific about something. He says to ask the Lord of the harvest to send laborers. That's the way to pray for people that need to get saved. Hallelujah. Now, talk about the word getting out there. And I tell you, God wants the word to get out there. And uh, uh, opportunities and doors for the word to go into places and into cracks and crevices that we can't hardly imagine. People have talked about uh, uh, the, the magazine of an internationally known ministry that they put out this magazine every month and have been doing so for decades and decades. And the remote places in this world where one of those magazines are just sitting there. <laughs> remote, far out places. It's amazing how God can make a door and an avenue for the word to get out there. Look at this. Second Thessalonians 3.1 Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you. Now that idea of the word of the Lord running swiftly, there's another rendering of that that says it like this, that the word of the Lord would spread rapidly. That's something we can pray in these last days for the big net that God's throwing out into the world. Hallelujah that the word of the Lord would be able to spread rapidly and get into places and cracks and crevices of this world where it needs to for the sake of bringing people into the kingdom of God. Look at Colossians 4 and verse 3. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains. 
that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. But go back to verse 3 for a minute. I want you to just focus in on that. Praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ. Hallelujah. You know what? If you think, well, this is great. I just prayed that all the preachers I know. Hey, y'all gonna pray for all, all my preachers. Yeah. Lord, open the door for the word for them. But you know what? If you do that, you're missing out on something. Let me tell you what you're missing. You're missing out on the fact that the Lord don't just want to preach through the preacher. He want to preach it through you. The Lord don't just want to spread it through the preacher. He wants to spread it through you. So when you pray this, you're not just praying that for the preachers, you know. You need to pray that the Lord would open to you a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ. And you ask him, I guarantee you, woo, opportunities galore. Opportunities that, (laughs) where'd all these come from? Well, it's amazing how many show up when you ask for it. It's amazing how many opportunities show up when you ask for it. This is something to ask for. And especially in these days where the Lord is looking to pull in the precious fruit of the earth. Hallelujah. What are some other things that we can pray for in this particular time? Glory to God. Hey, Doug, uh, we're going to go ahead and skip over some things here. And uh, the next verse we'll go to when I call for it, not yet, but when I call for it, is 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. Thank you, Lord. You know, I, I, I just had a sense that uh, rather than getting into more things, uh, the, the Lord said, uh, uh, we, we don't... Uh, the, the, the Lord just dropped in me that, that we don't need to get into more things tonight. We need to go ahead and give proper attention to a fewer amount of things. That that uh, uh, the quality is better than the quantity tonight. As far as if you can get a few things down, that's better than getting overloaded with stuff and not getting any of it down. So I, I just, I, you know, you, you get arrested. Oh. A Holy Ghost arrest right there. Yep, I heard you. All right. And so we're going to go ahead and do that. So some things we talked about tonight, this is not everything, but these are some prayer highlights for the last days we're living in. Praying for the nation of Israel. Praying for the, uh, the outpouring of the spirit and the spreading of the word of God. We just carried that, uh, touched that. But I want to talk to you about praying to walk in wholeness, holiness, and worthiness. Wholeness, holiness, and worthiness. Glory to God. Wholeness, that is talking about being whole, W-H-O-L-E. Being complete. And holiness Obviously, the character of God. They say, well, God is holy and I'm not. Well, then something must be wrong with that verse that said, be holy because I'm holy. 
So don't tell me you can't be because if the Lord told you to be, that means we can be. Hey. But there are prayers that are very, very specific to these issues and are connected to the, this time of the end that we're living in, this time of uh, the, the coming of the Lord drawing nigh. And this is, these are prayers that are right in the word. You know, a, a lot of people in their prayer life say, well, I just want to make sure I'm praying the right thing. And, you know, that's good. We'll make sure I'm praying the will of God. Well, that's good. But you can't pray the will of God any better than you when you're praying the word itself. Because when it comes to the word of God, if he didn't will it, he wouldn't have said it. I've used this example before. I'll use it again. And Richard, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm going to pick on you, my man. So let's say, let, let's say Richard said, that Pastor Ray is a real strange guy. I don't want him coming to my house. So is he going to go ahead and give me directions to his house? Oh, no. No, he, he might give me some directions to somebody else's house, but he ain't getting me anywhere near his house if he thinks that Pastor Ray is a real strange guy. Of course, he doesn't. He thinks I'm cool, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, but here's the thing. Uh, if God does not want you to get something or to go somewhere, he's not going to tell you in the word how to do it. So the fact that God would tell you how to get something, how to obtain something in the word, is the biggest indicator that you need to know that he wills for you to have that thing. Because if he didn't want you to have it, he wouldn't tell you how to get it. If he didn't want you to arrive at that address, he wouldn't give you directions. All right? Hey. So that's the beauty of praying the word. When you are praying the word, you know you are right in line with something that God wants you to have. Now, let's go through these. And, and th this is wonderful. And I believe this is going to go ahead and really give some very clear direction to your prayer life. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. We're right there. It's uh, something about wholeness, you know, because he's not doing it halfway. He's not sanctifying you, uh, you know, till you're half cooked. <laughs> no, he's sanctifying you completely. That has to do with wholeness. And then you see the word wholeness once again, and may your whole, W-H-O-L-E, spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You want to know how to pray as we get closer to the time of the Lord's return? And in these last days, this is how to pray. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify me completely. May my whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You can pray that for you. Alma, I can pray it for you. I can say, I pray that the God of peace himself would sanctify Alma completely and that Alma's whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You can take the word and pray it for you Pray it for others. Hallelujah. 
And these are things, like I said, that are directly connected to the time of the end, the time of his coming, the time of us standing before him. Jude, chapter 1, verse 24. Now to him who is able. So this is really, this is the part of prayer that, that a lot of people would refer to as a benediction. You know, the, the last closing words uh, of a prayer. The, or, or you might call this a, a prayer of committal, where we're committing something to him. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. So here we are in a time of history where we're getting closer to presentation day. And of course, the more we get closer to the end of our journey here on the earth, we're getting closer to presentation day and what does God say he says that he's able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy now you would see that makes our mind go tilt because we think of ourselves in terms of being faultful how can faultful ever be presented faultless See, we underestimate this thing called eternal life. We underestimate the blood of Jesus. We underestimate what we have because we look on such a narrow level and say, oh, it's me again, bumbling, stumbling me. And God said, wait a minute here, commit yourself to me. I'm able to keep you from stumbling. And take one who once would have been considered faultful and present you before myself as faultless. So anybody want to grab a hold of that and say, now to him who's able. Ready? Repeat after me. Now to him who is able to keep me from stumbling and to present me faultless. Before the presence of his glory. With exceeding joy. Now think about somebody. Who's uh, uh, in in your life. Who's a believer. And might be struggling to stay on the path. Might be struggling to keep on going in the right direction. And so we're going to pray for them and say. Oh Lord. Now to him who is able to keep. And then you mention that person's name from stumbling and to present them faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Let's go a little further. This is 1 Thessalonians 3. Starting with verse 12. And it says, And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. Now he's praying, right? May the Lord do something. Yeah, he's praying. Verse 13. So that he may establish your hearts blameless 
in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Isn't that great? Hallelujah. So here we are, and we're praying that the Lord would establish our hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Or or we're praying for, uh, let's see, Steve, I'm going to pray for you tonight. I pray for Steve, that that Steve's heart, uh, that the Lord would establish Steve's heart blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Tony, I knew you were here. So that the Lord may establish Tony's heart blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Glory to God. Blameless in holiness. See, we, we heard the term faultless and think faultless. I've always thought of myself as faultful. How could I be faultless? And now here we are in another verse and, and, and blameless. I never thought of myself as blameless. I've always thought of myself as the one to be blamed. The one who is full of blame. The one who just wore the t-shirt, blame me. Hey. And here God says that, that, that my heart can be established blameless in holiness. Wow. Seems too good to be true, but it's not. And it's there for you. And how important is it? Because at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ on presentation day, when we stand before him, that's the kind of condition you want to be in. Amen. Look at this, Philippians 1. <laughs> hey, hallelujah. Whoa, glory to God. Philippians 1, start with verse 9. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent. Listen to this. That you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Glory to God. Sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. George, come on, man. I'm praying for you that you'd be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ. I got John on one side and John on the other. Both of my Johns, I'm praying for you guys, that you would be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ. Hallelujah. Isn't that amazing? And all connected with the day of Christ, the day of his appearing, the day we're standing before him. Look at this, Luke 21, verse 36. These are the words of Jesus himself. Watch therefore, so be on the watch, be on the lookout, and pray always. Why? That you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Hallelujah. See, all you got to do is stay plugged in. Stay plugged into him. Be on the watch. Be in prayer. And what happens if you are watching and praying always? Now, praying always obviously does not mean 
praying 24 hours a day. You know, the Bible says in another place, you pray without ceasing. And somebody once said it like this. It's the idea that you're not, you, it's, it's not that you, uh, well, somebody said it like this, and this explains it best. He said, I never go, I never pray for more than 10 minutes, but I never go 10 minutes without praying. Hey, somebody hear that? So that means that there's, uh, it's not the matter that I just pray 24-7 because you're not sleeping, you're not eating, you know. God is not unreasonable. Come on now. But the idea of the spirit of that is that there's a constant flow of prayer. There's a constant connection. There's a constant communication going on where you might go ahead and I, I, I may talk with somebody about something and they bring something up. I said, Lord, what do you think about that? And, and that constant connection, you're driving down the road, glory to God, hallelujah. Who are you talking to? I'm talking to, to the Lord. I'm praising the Lord. There's, there's a constant flow, a constant connection. So that idea of praying always doesn't mean that, that I can't say anything else or every word that comes out of my mouth is a prayer, but that there's a constant flow, a constant connection. Glory to God. And by so doing, Jesus said that you'll be counted worthy to escape all of these things. There's stuff coming, y'all. We're seeing some clear evidence and clear signs of stuff happening in the world that, that as I said in the, the beginning stages of our message tonight, it's starting to spin faster and faster and faster and getting crazier and crazier and crazier. But glory to God, the things that are ultimately coming on the earth, you'll be counted worthy to escape them and to stand before the Son of Man. That don't mean that you're cowering before the Son of Man or, or, or that, that, that you're before the Son of Man and saying, oh boy, what, what's he going to do? The idea of standing before the Son of Man, it, it, it has the connotation of confidence to it. It's not that I'm not bowing before him and reverencing him, but the idea of standing before him just says, glory to God, I know I know why I'm here and I know how I got here. It wasn't because of my cuteness and it wasn't because of how good I was. I just knew how good he was and I rested in his goodness. He told me some stuff to do that could help me get to this point and I did it. And thank God because I obeyed him, I'm here at this point standing before him. Glory to God. And then what you do, you get a crown and then you take the crown and you lay it at the master's feet. Because you realize there was no way I could have ever done it without you. Glory to God. Glory to God. But I love that idea of standing before the Son of Man. Because we understand the the, the aspect of bowing. You read Revelation chapter 4 and you see the 24 elders bowing before the throne. Glory to God. But there's something about what Jesus is looking to paint a picture for of standing before him. And you know what? It reminds me of something. And I'm going to go there. First John chapter 4. This is not planned, but we're doing it. And this is going to be where we end tonight. First John chapter 4. Glory to God forevermore. Thank you, Lord. Verse 17, 
1 John 4 and 17 says this. Love has been perfected among us in this. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Imagine boldness in the day of judgment. That, you know, we think of judgment day, and oftentimes that puts a jolt in us. Oh, Lord, we'll stand before the judge. But there are very, very clear things in Scripture that if we follow that trail, it doesn't lead us to being worried or concerned on the day of judgment, but bold on the day of judgment. And one of the number one things that you can remember is this. And glory to God, this is for somebody. It's for all of us. But I believe God's really got a target to, for, for somebody with this last thing I'm about to say. Thank you. Spirit of God. Whew. Glory to God forever. Um, James wrote in his epistle, that mercy triumphs over judgment. Now, before he said that, he said that those who, uh, uh, basically that those who, who judge without mercy will have no mercy showed to them. Mercy, though, triumphs over judgment. That means that when you're merciful, Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. When you show mercy, you put yourself in a position. When you have lived a life of showing mercy to people and not being quick to slam the hammer on people, when you have been merciful, you put yourself in a position to receive mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment because when you're merciful, even at a point in time, dear Lord, even at a point in time where you would say, all right, my goose is cooked according to the judgment, this is what I get. And yet mercy can triumph over judgment because you sold mercy, you set yourself up at a point in life or at a point where you really needed it, it comes back to you and the Lord's merciful to you. Mercy triumphs over judgment, but that's when you show mercy to others. So we got to let some things go. If you, if you want, you, you know, we, we want to go, go ahead and be let off the hook ourselves, but well, I let them off the hook. Come on now. <laughs> but what does the Lord say? He said it real clear. You want to have boldness in the day of judgment? Glory to God. You can. And one of the number one ways to do that, quick to repent, quick to forgive. Make a mistake. Get it right right away. Don't, don't sit and wallow in the mud. You get dirty, you take a bath. There you go. All right? Get under the blood right away. Deal with it. Repent. Move on. But quick to forgive. Not holding on to things. 
Not dragging things around and letting swords fester. No, I got to say, there's something about the freedom of forgiveness, not just in the moment that you forgive, but also that down the road, that when you need it, it's there for you because you've already sown the seeds of it in, in, in your life. And therefore, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And at a point in time where you could have gotten judgment. But what does James say? Like I said, mercy triumphs over judgment. But in order to get to that point, you got to sow some. Sow it in the ground, you reap the harvest. That's for somebody tonight. Glory to God. Was there somebody in the room? Was there somebody that, that's uh, tuned into the live stream tonight? One way or the other. But, but we believe that God is speaking. And my prayer for you all tonight, is that as we've gone through these things, is that you be able to take these very, very simple prayers and pray. I know to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I know that. I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to take that psalm and start praying that. I'm going to pray for the outpouring of the Spirit and the spreading of the word throughout the earth. I've got the word that shows me how to do that. I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to go ahead and start praying for me and start praying for others regarding wholeness, holiness, and worthiness. And there's a few that I didn't even get to get to, but, but there's other uh, uh, things that Paul prayed for the church that they would walk worthy of their calling. Hey, glory to God. So praying these things is really, really very important. And God told you what to pray. The word says it. So you don't need to try to figure out what do I need to pray for today? You can always go into your prayer time and your time with the Lord knowing things that need to be prayed for. And it's not just your list. And we're not diminishing the list. But there are things that are priorities of God's heart that you can pray for on a regular basis consistent basis and my prayer is that you can take that and run with it amen Amen. so good to be with you all tonight and uh just remember this that uh uh, as we're preparing to go that uh uh, we've got the offering containers in the back if you've got a physical gift you'd like to give we've got the offering envelopes and the pens and the containers back there if you're given by some other means you can go ahead and look at your screen and give on the app online faithccenter.com slash give uh, and then uh, uh, those of you watching my live stream can drop your uh, payment in the mail. Uh, uh, if you're making a check, make it payable to FCC, 95 Sagamore Road, Seekonk, Massachusetts, 02771. We appreciate all the faithful people that, that uh, die to the Lord and give offerings into the work of God. I got to tell you, no better way to, to, to have a financial partner than be a financial partner with God. We love you all so much. Pray the blessing of the Lord on you and a wonderful night the rest of your week. Go with God and do what you heard tonight. And you don't have to wait long. You can do it on the way home. Hey, hey, hey. Just one verse, even if you start working that one verse. Now unto him that's able to keep me from falling. Lord, I've fallen a whole lot. You sure about this? And the Lord said, yeah, I'm sure about it. That was my idea. Keep on saying it. Keep on praying it. Glory to God. You got the sky is the limit to where we can go. And God has given us everything we need to get there.
Love y'all. God bless.